Today we have a really exciting guest. Um, before I get into that, though, uh, just going to talk about how my week is going a little bit. Um, this week's been a little bit tough, um, just like mental health wise. Um, just haven't been able to really find the motivation to do a lot of things, and I feel like I have a lot of things to do, um, just with school and my part time job. So it's it's been a little hard um, to find that motivation. A couple of things I've been doing is just like using a schedule and then also with that schedule kind of doing things and then rewarding myself with like a break to watch maybe like an episode of TV just kind of gives me a little bit of motivation. Um, so it's been working, but maybe not obviously to the best that I would like it to work. So I'm still trying to figure out some coping mechanisms or different ways to kind of help with that stress and that lack of motivation. Um, but uh, now we can kind of get into talking about our guests. So today we're joined by Harley McKee. He is a senior at USC studying business administration. Um, he's a mental health enthusiast and he is also the president of the Trojan Heart and Mind Club, formerly known as the Performance Science Club at USC. Um, they utilize science to understand high performers and how they think, act, and thrive. Um, so please welcome Harley. Hey, Harley. Hey, Rogany. How Long time no see. How are you doing? Yeah, it's really nice to be here. Yeah, I'm glad but, that you were able to make it. No, I, I really appreciate you having me. I had a nice time talking with uh, your team. You've got a really nice team built up around this thing. I know. I got really lucky. Um, I know they're all passionate about it. And one thing that's the crazy is that they're also willing to take the time out of their weekends to do a lot of this planning, which is great. And they're very passionate about mental health, which is how it should be, which is awesome. That's sweet. And that's great to be on a schedule. And uh, I'm excited to be listening to those. And um, I'm super excited to be here. And I just love the, I love, love, love the premise of it, honesty hour. And uh, that's what I've, uh, I'm really trying to, bring the intention uh, to this with is just to be be honest, which is is not always easy. And um, so I'm really, really looking forward to this. Well, I appreciate it. Um, I guess before we kind of start off, I just wanted to know how you're doing. That's kind of how we start these off, just asking how you're doing, how your week's been. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I'm doing actually really well. Uh, relative to how things have been. Um, and this is something we can dig into a little bit in the podcast, but I have had a lot of health issues over the last eight, nine months. And recently things have uh, been a lot better for me and there's been That's some great. great developments. So I'm feeling very grateful, um, feeling very connected with people and I'm feeling capable. So awesome. um it's been good for me. How about for you? How was your week then? <laughs> it's honestly, it's been pretty hard. I will say it's kind of, um, I just like feel like I'm kind of overwhelmed with work right now, just because I, um, I have this part-time job working for a startup company and the way it goes with startup companies is they ask for a lot of your time and it's more like a full-time job while also being in school. So it's just a lot. And I don't, I feel like I'm, I kind of talked about this before you came on, but I just feel like I'm kind of lacking motivation and I'm trying to figure out like ways to get myself motivated to do those tasks that I probably don't want to do. Um, so it's just like that, like using like scheduling and things like that to get things done. But 
yeah, it's been like that. I'm in like a period of time where I'm just like, oh, I just want to watch some TV and not do anything, <laughs> but I know that I have to, and I, I obviously will, but yeah, it's just been kind of tough. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're working up that motivation, but it also sounds like, I mean, you kind of got a lot on your plate to me that, yeah. I don't know, that, that signals, I mean, I, you hear the word burnout a lot, but like just yeah that, losing that motivation that yeah I think it's coming to that point I mean yeah being in school for four years and then like just being at the very end of it it's just got to push through it so well um yeah let's get into talking about you though that's what this podcast is about you and your club um so I guess like starting off do you want to give like a little bit of a background on yourself in terms of where you're from where you grew up yeah I'd love to um I am from Lafayette, which is uh, in the East Bay area, so up north, so yeah. California, all the way for me. Um, little suburban um, town. Um, I'm obviously a senior here in the business school. Mm-hmm. And um, in my last semester, and very much unsure of where I'm headed next. But uh, as I said, I, yeah, hey, <laughs> I know, I think we have many people in our club, uh, yeah. in, that, in that club with us. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I said, I've had some turning points in my health recently. Um, and so that has opened up a lot for me to get excited about, um, including looking to what's beyond but for now what I've really been loving is is yeah working on building up this club with my great team um it's the Trojan Heart and Mind Club which actually changed since the last time we spoke yeah was it was the performance science club named after that announced it (laughs) yeah glad glad we have you on that one Uh uh-huh um and yeah, performance science came from the Performance Science Institute, which is where our club came from just like three, four years ago. And so um, this was a change that we were all excited about and I'm happy to expand on it, but um, that it reflects um, more, is more true to what we wanna talk about, um, like mental health and uh, training the heart and mind. Cool, cool. Well, thanks for that overview. Um, I guess like starting off a lot of the times that when we talk with someone who's very passionate about mental health or who's like started something related to mental health, we kind of want to know how, what mental health, what it was perceived like in your childhood. Like how was, what did you think about mental health? Maybe how did your parents, like what did they, did they talk about mental health? Was it a big thing um, in your family? That's a great question. Um, I think, I mean, very lucky to have a very loving and, um, encouraging family. I think, um, mental health was something certainly discussed at points, mm-hmm. uh, especially given some depression and certainly anxiety and some other, um, mental health challenges in my extended family. Mm-hmm. Um, I think things like emotions, um, and understanding emotions 
may not have been talked about quite as much as I think that's true of, of many, many places. I think that's a big challenge in our culture. Um, but it was never um, uh, taboo or anything like that. That's but um, not always, I felt the most active discussion mm-hmm. either until more recently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what about in maybe like your social groups, like growing up, like your friend groups? Yeah, I would say cer- certainly not. Yeah. Um, I, that's, I mean, the the real crux of the issue is that um, I think I didn't really like come into this uh, until freshman or sophomore year of, of college and that that was really like luck. Yeah. And I just feel for... Um, uh, I can talk from the perspective of guys saying that this is not something that gets talked about much and yeah. guys don't really like to talk about feelings quite as much, um, but that, you know, it's a challenge for women as well. So um, um, I'm excited that things are progressing a bit on that front, but um, we all have a lot of work to do. I got a lot of work to do with myself, just, just digging in all this stuff. And it's like real, real skills you got to learn. Yeah, I know. I feel like, so one of the guests that we had on this podcast, um, she opened this studio called Liberate Studio and her, basically what she focused on was like bringing together all these elements about um, just from mental health, but like having a community built on that. So it's like, basically it's a workout for your mind. So it's like a studio that's basically working out your mind. And she was saying too, that like a lot of the times, like, it's just like, she has gone through this process of when she meets with the clients and stuff where with her clients who are male, she was saying that it's just like a process of just like kind of really digging deep into just like really where a lot of this stigma comes from too. Obviously it probably comes from just like the way maybe you were raised or like also just the community that you're surrounded by, maybe didn't talk about these things. And she says, it's really, really, it's a process when she has people come to her studio who are, don't, who are not super in tune to their emotions. And so, yeah, don't be hard on yourself. It's a process. (laughs) But I guess like you talked about what I was going to mention was whether like, you had experience with like mental health issues um, when you were growing up, which you said you didn't really like come into it till you were a freshman or sophomore in college. Would you mind talking about that a little bit? Yeah, I think my, my, the big theme throughout my life has just been um, being a brutal self-critic. I, you know, all about honesty here. I have not battled what I would call any extended bouts of depression or, or real uh, anxiety or anything like that, but certainly am fantastic at beating myself down, um, believing that I am not good enough unless, unless I'm doing enough, mm-hmm. um, you know, unless that, that checklist at the end of the day um, had enough crossed off on it and I'm, you know, still kind of there today, but um, had just a few really, really great classes and something I do want to get into on this podcast was being introduced to mindfulness um, through Mindful USC and following um, and, and going on a journey with that and that that's been really foundational for me and I think everyone 
who's fortunate to get in this space finds their own way to get into it. But um, I feel like that's been kind of the foundation upon which I've been able to explore some of these other things and something that I've been really passionate about exposing other students to. And um, lastly, I'll tack on just getting the message out to students that like, you're doing enough, you are good enough, you're okay as you are. And let's operate from that place. Let's try to operate from that place instead of a place of deficiency, but it's really hard. Um, so your first year and second year, did is that when you took those mindfulness classes? My second year was when I took a Mindful USC lab, where which was like a five-week course in person uh, with Alan Weiss um, at the time, who is director of Mindful USC. He's fantastic. I had a class with um, his wife, um, my general seminar class, and he came in and spoke there. And I just got really interested in it. And for me, the my portal into to mental health, I think, has just been always my fascination with with the mind and psychology, um, and being someone who's just you know an intense overthinker, um, and you know maybe the perfectionist side as well. Always been fascinated and trying to understand the mind and you know as cliche as it is like you know why we do the things we we do and and you know what is what are the the components of this this life uh that we live yeah it's 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 a awesome question to follow I know and there's never one answer and it's something you can keep digging into for probably the rest of your life which is really interesting as well um, so then what happened after this class? Like how, how did that like manifest into um, being involved in this club? And um, yeah, just like your involvement with mental health. After taking the mindfulness course and sticking with it, which I'm glad I did, I think that's really the biggest challenge is you can get a lot of people to sit down once and be with their thoughts and stuff, but to stick with it is... Uh, the real crux of the issue. And so after I felt I was noticing it helping me a bit, maybe even not, maybe I was just blind faith or, or whatever it was. Um, I did feel like it was making a difference. And that's when I was like, Oh, this is something that I want to try to bring to other people. And so I talked with Alan um, and actually was able to, get him to put on a program for my fraternity. And so that is where I got pretty focused for a bit was talking about mindfulness in Greek life, because that's my one of the communities I've been in. And I know it's a community um, that comes under fire for a lot of things. But it is also a community of just other human beings too, who are struggling with a lot of things like um, substances and anxiety and depression and all that. And I'd seen quite a bit of that just in my own experience that um, being able to get a course set up, um, uh, five-week course set up, that was, I think, a big moment for me being like, oh, actually, I can do some stuff to help with mental health on campus yeah yeah that's really cool so like how 
So how was that received? How was the, did a lot of people sign up for the class? How did it go? Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, the, the marketing of it is also where, uh, a lot of the bread and butter of, of the success potential is, Mm. um, because especially with guys, like it's hard to get people talking about things like how you're feeling or, or, um, you know, what, what's running through your head. Um, so just, I, used kind of my position and, and um, I don't know, I guess say likability within that community I was in to just reach people, connect with people, say, hey, this is something that really helped me to deal with my own personal insecurities and emotional challenges um, that are very much ongoing. But like, this is a sweet journey and I'd love to introduce you guys to it and um yeah we got i mean like between 15 and and 20 people each week and it kind of it kind of tails off a bit in terms of attendance as people get busier in the semester and and all that but um for the people that did stick with it it was it was well received and you know like the way i think about the way i think about it with my club too is like if you just get one or two people to stick with it major major success and i'm sure you feel a similar way in, in what you do here, which is really cool. Yeah. It's all about that one person and making an impact. It's still a very big deal and changing one life is amazing. And it's, there's still so much value to it. And obviously like with marketing and all that stuff you're talking about related to that, you want to get the biggest reach, but I think it's very different with mental health where it's, it's a win-win, you know, it's a win-win for either way you get one person, you get 10 people, you get 20 people, it's still a win. So yeah, I completely agree with that. And so then after this, after this class, what happened? That's when I met, uh, I, I met, um, oh, I guess after I did, this was in the midst of working with Alan and Mindful USC, trying to be um, effective as an ambassador of the program. There was a, a program that went on for a few semesters um, that was just kind of training mindful USC ambassadors. And this is, you know, in that program is where I felt like, hey, I can do something. This is something I want to do. And Alan was supportive. Through that program is where I met Nick Gardetto, who introduced me to um, what was then the Performance Science Club. It was like, hey, you know, we talk a lot about stuff like this in this club and uh, come check us out. And um, all it was at the time was just meeting with um, our current advisor, uh, Glenn Fox, and uh, some other students from all over the place in terms of um, areas of study and and years um, from freshmen to seniors and just on Fridays would get together and just have these ultra real conversations about philosophical things, about um, the mind, about how people are doing, you know, how are you doing? How was your week? How are you feeling? And man, it just, it lit me up. I was like, I am not seeing anything like this anywhere. I couldn't get enough of it. Like Friday mornings, I was so excited to bike down um, to the Marshall School to uh, to just be there and hang out for that hour. And that's what the whole club was all about to me, was creating space for those kinds of talks. I mean, as you wonderfully 
introduced uh, this discussion or this conversation between us is like just asking, how are you feeling? How is your week? Mm-hmm. And a lot of good stuff happens when you just ask that question and uh, you go from there from a place of authenticity. Also, I think it's the second, how are you actually doing too, is the one that gets people actually going too, which I've realized too, because obviously you say, how are you to everyone? And everyone's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm okay. Yeah, good. That's all right. And then, but like, how are you actually? And then it's like, oh, wait, not great. Maybe, maybe a little bit off or something. So it's just that it's that second one that really gets people. And you don't really hear a lot of people ask that second one too. So yeah, you nailed it. The how are you actually doing? And then leaving some of that space, I find, I mean, that this is really just the home run question that guys and girls, both men and women, both need to be asking more to themselves and to others. And then to leave that space because the immediate response, like you said, is fine, good really quick. And then I find this in myself too. It's like, oh, I'm fine. And then I want to talk about what I'm doing or like, I don't want to talk about how I'm actually feeling. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's tough. I know it is. It's hard to take a look inside of yourself, especially too, even with people you're really close with. If that's just like, not the type of like, obviously like you trust them and stuff, but maybe that's not the relationship you have with them. So it's hard to open up. Um, so I guess like then you went to this, these meetings and it really helped you. Is there, can you describe to me like what your mindset maybe was before you got involved in mindfulness? And then if you've seen like a drastic change, like how can you describe that from, from before this and then after you joined the performance science club? Well, with mindfulness, I'll start with just what I think mindfulness has done for me because, uh, and I really like, what I want to emphasize anytime I talk about it is that there's no like immediate drastic change and it operates subtly over time. Mm -hmm. And I think you notice it more in the, um, like in the absence of it, if you haven't stuck with it for a while or whatever, you start to notice, Oh, I'm much more reactive um, to my thoughts and, and feelings, or I'm much, I feel much more disconnected to myself. And I think it's just so important to get away from, um, the, uh, a lot of the culture around things like mindfulness and, and stuff that I think can, um, feed into more, perfectionism and more like um more feelings of deficiency is like you know oh I'm not I'm not meditating enough so like I'm not taking care of myself or I'm not um being my best or anything like that it's really just a deep dive into how messy the human experience is and so for me just like breaking through the barrier every now and then of my thoughts just existing fully in my mind all the time just thinking 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 and to get into the body a little bit and ask those questions hey like how am I feeling 
So I think connecting with my senses and um, what's going on inside me is where is something I have to return to each day because the thing you learn is that try, the thing you try to learn and, and appreciate is that there's no state that you just get to at which point you are now some perfectly like balanced, enlightened yeah. college student who meditates. That's a bunch of BS. Yeah. And that is just a harmful narrative. You know, it's, it's about imperfection and it's about like, wow, my mind is crazy. It's all over the place. And I'm feeling all these weird, crazy feelings I've never felt. Um, but can I just like, can I just be with it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like that's like one of the biggest um, like common threads for these podcasts that we've had is that like, it's hard to get people to start. That's the biggest thing too, because they have this perception that they will, obviously it's going, to, it's, they've maybe tried a version of it that wasn't as effective or something like that, but also they're expecting that there should be results right away. So it, it's like getting them to start, but also getting them to continue with it. So when they don't see results, then it's just like, oh, it doesn't work for me. It's just not for me. But it's, it's actually taking the time to understand exactly what mindfulness is, exactly how you described it, how it's, it's messy, like that process of like, understanding your emotions it's messy and obviously there isn't just like an elevated level that you reach at one point yeah no yeah not at all and um some of my favorite things I've done through the club and with uh mindful USC so far has just been the few times I've kind of or I have uh tried to teach the the very basics to other students as well and to learn how to explain it. And it helped me tremendously to think about, you know, what the actual practice of it is because it, when it really comes down to it, it's really like you sit there, you try to relax your body a bit and then what's gonna happen 100,000 times over is you're going to get just distracted, frustrated, bored, annoyed, whatever. You're going to want to do anything except for this because you've got so many things you've got to go do. And that the actual practice, and I say this, and this helps me to remember too, is just to come back to the breath, to the present moment, whatever it is. That's the practice, the getting distracted, the feeling frustrated, all that. You're not a failure when it it bugs you and you want it, you think you're not doing it right or you're not doing it enough. Um, so the the other big development I think in in this trajectory for me that's what I'm really working on right now is that self compassion and being gentle with yourself about it and kind with yourself is like this critical complement to mindfulness that is often separated, but in reality, they are, um, they are the perfect complements to each other that help you approach it from a different standpoint than like, this is something to be another thing to be mastered or achieved or perfected, you know? And that's how I relate to it so often is like, oh, I'm not doing it right. I'm not making progress, all this but it's actually not when you're doing it right, which right in air quotes, you know, if you're listening to audio, 
it, it's not about trying to achieve something, some other state or whatever. Um, yeah. So I'll stop there. Yeah. That's, I actually like, didn't really think about it that way, but I know, yeah, self-compassion is, that's a really good way to put it. It goes hand in hand. And I think one thing too, that kind of goes hand in hand too, that I've noticed is just the gratitude is a big thing too. Gratitude is a huge thing with any sort of like mental health practice. Like when you're meditating or like even just having like uh, for myself, I actually have this notebook where I, I like when I was going through tough times, I would write in it every day in the morning, five things I'm grateful for, even like tiny things. So it was like, I'm grateful for, uh, being able to like go for a run today or like, I'm grateful that I have really nice hair, just something like that. That's really small. Uh And it just makes you think about things that you do have in your life. And I think that's just like goes in hand with what you were saying, the self-compassion. It's about like appreciating yourself and appreciating what you can do because you are capable and you are everything that you are doing exactly what you said before is enough. Yeah. Preach to that. And um, I know you've got a lot of great questions, but I gotta, I, I love asking questions. So this is fine, funny for me to be on the other side of it. Um, that's really cool that you've had a, a gratitude practice going. I know that's a, that's a, a hugely powerful tool for so many people. Um, has that been something you found to be, you know, practical or, or not practical? I'm sorry, but like, um, yeah, just can you expand on, on, like how you feel that that's helped you and, and like when, um, uh, yeah, what that looks like for you day to day. I know you touched on it a little bit, but for yeah. people who may be interested. Yeah, um, good question. No, switching the host roles, I see. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think like one, so the reason I started doing that was I was just kind of, especially you can probably relate to it is like the competitive environment at USC was like a big, big like thing on my mind all the time when I, when I've been at USC is just, especially now, like with applying to jobs and all of the stuff. And then LinkedIn is just so toxic because you see all these people getting jobs and like posting about it. And so I was being very hard on myself and I was like, and I was going through the process of interviewing and I was going through the process where I would get to the final interview and it just wouldn't work out. And I'm just like, oh, it's so frustrating because it's like, I know that I can do the job that they're asking me to, but maybe something in that interview. So I would just be kind of like, and I felt myself, I started to notice things in my mind, like having thoughts that like, I didn't really have before about just being like very, like, just being like, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. Like, I guess like self-pity is like one of, would be something where it's like, I was just like being like, this always happens. Like, I don't get why this is happening. Like, why are all these people getting jobs and I'm not getting a job? And so what I did was I was like talking to um, my brother about it and he um, has gone through his own journey with mental health um, when he was in college. And he was the one who actually suggested that I do this. He was saying that, and it was really interesting because we are, we're, we're, we're close, but we're not like super close. So it was interesting. This is something that bonded us was talking about this gratitude because we came from the same background. We come from a very, we come from a traditional Indian family who kind of puts pressure on us and has to, you always have to get A's. Like, it's just like, you have to excel in any way. And also we both went to pretty competitive schools. So we have shared experiences. And so he was telling me, I know in the first couple of weeks, 
do this and you're going to hate it. You're going to hate doing it because you're going to think it's stupid because you're going to think you already know all these things that you have, but you don't. You don't know anything that you have. A lot of the time you think of the big things. So like when I, it's interesting too, when I've like looked through the book, the first things that I um, wrote were big things. They were like, I'm glad that I'm at USC. Like I made it to a good school or I have like, or it's just like, I am glad that I'm in like good health or I'm just like, I'm glad I have a good group of friends or things like that. Like that was like the big things, but then you can't repeat yourself. That's the thing too. So the next day you have to write something different. Obviously you can be grateful for it, but you have to write something different. So each week it progresses, they get to smaller and smaller things. So it comes down to like, I'm glad that I have like, one of the things I wrote in there was like, I'm glad that I have a very strong sense of smell. And I was just like, <laughs> yeah. And then I was looking at it and I was like, huh. Cause it was just like very interesting or like, I'm glad that I have like a source of water, like every day, like it's just things you won't, don't even think about, mm, you know? So yeah. it's just like, it starts to progress to things that like you don't even think about. And then once it gets to that level of you just doing it every day, you start to be like, oh, wow, I have so much. I'm so grateful for so many things. And then when you look through the whole book, you're just like, wow, there are so many things that I have. And that was like the whole process I kind of went through with that. Yeah. That's yes, that's so cool. And you hit on the really like the the major important points, which is like that everyone starts in that place of like, oh man, really? I Like I got to do this just to like, be more appreciative. Like people say it, it helps me. It'll help me feel better and, and all these things, but like, um, but, but really, and then you start with those big things. I'm grateful for my family, like my friends, but then after that, like, Oh, I'm, I'm grateful for this. Uh, yeah. Like you said, this glass of water or this pen, this yeah. pen writes so well yeah. and all that. And it's so fun and it's so, it's so silly, but that that's, yeah, where the real, the real practice of it is, is unpacking those things that you do take for granted on a day-to-day -day basis mm -hmm. that we all do. Like, it, it's just like, that's part of being human is you get used to the stuff that's around you all the time. So it's like, peeking past that and finding joy out of things that are already all around you and it's yeah. it's special and I think especially during COVID I think this would be a really useful practice for a lot of people I think it's just especially with COVID there's just a lot in the world that's just very it's just very tough for people to process and also they're going through their own things that that were happening before COVID and now they have to deal with this as well so like with this gratitude practice it just kind of helps you like kind of see the light in this like very dark time that we're all in and uh yeah I've been I I haven't I've been doing this during COVID too a little bit and yeah it's been pretty helpful as well so yeah yeah that's one that uh it's always a treat to to come back to it I mean, this conversation, you know, reminds me of it again. Like, I think it's also important for people when they're looking to take care of themselves like a little bit better and, and look after their emotional and, and mental health yeah. that you not try to do too many things at, at once, that you not try and all of a sudden, you know, meditate, keep a gratitude journal, eat perfectly clean, get all this, like everything right at once. 
it's really good to take things uh, one thing at a time and, you know, keep it really, really easy for yourself. So, you know, wake up and just make note of three small things that you're grateful for or do it in the afternoon or at night, whenever is best for you, because there's no one thing that's the right prescription for everyone to take care of themselves. Not everyone needs to meditate. Not everyone needs to practice gratitude. Um, I think there are the basic things that a lot of us do need to do more of like sleep and um, move our bodies a bit more, but that um, the whole point of, you know, I want to emphasize and that I'm sure you agree with as well is that these things should not be another source of pressure to perform or, or perfect um, or anything like that. That's the thing I've been noticing too, especially with um, practices like mindfulness and meditation as they're starting to pick up and become like more mainstream practices is that with that, there comes that like just that problem of people doing it because it's popular and doing it because everyone's doing it, but they're not doing it for themselves. And it also might not be what they need to be doing too. You know, it might be, obviously there are benefits to doing it even when you might not need it as much, but there might be a practice that like might work you work for you better, might work with your schedule better. Maybe there's something that there's just like a different practice out there that you haven't tried, but you're only doing these things because other people are doing them. And it kind of takes away the whole point of why we are doing them, you know? Yes, absolutely. You are lighting me up here because you've struck such an important chord. I think this is what I, you know, part of, you know, honesty hour here. Like I want to say that I am an incredibly privileged and fortunate individual to one, not only have come into this stuff by a lot of, by a lot of, angles by chance, but um, that I have the space and the resources in my life to be able to carve the time out for these things and work on these things without worrying about larger stressors as much like financial insecurities um, or really, really challenging family issues or, or things like that. And so for a lot of people, the best thing that, you know, you the, the self-care for yourself is to just try your best to hit the basics, like to get seven, eight hours of sleep, if you can, yeah. to try and nudge yourself towards a little bit healthier <clears throat> eating. And if you're struggling with substances, to try and get help with that or to get support from outside yourself. And there's really... great articles out there that I've read recently and part of you know why um underwent this this club name change and and been changing my thinking about things is that um self-care is becoming another thing on the to-do list that if not executed on can be another source of stress yes and another source of feelings of deficiency. And so you got to push at the same time, you know, you want to push these things big time. You also want to say, Hey, if you're struggling, like you 
the thing you need most probably is support from people and maybe a break from this stuff and not pushing yourself to do more all the time when you've got a lot on your plate. Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree. I think it's just, this is the one thing that's supposed to take you away from stress. So it shouldn't be a stressor. Don't, it's obviously something that you, you can use, but if it's like, if it's too much of a process right now for yourself, obviously give yourself a break and just find that support system. Um, something interesting that you did say was about um, talking about diet and how diet as well as substance abuse. I think that's like very important to touch on as well too. Um, especially during this pandemic, as um, there have been reports, obviously, that obviously alcohol sales are like through the roof right now, because that's just like what people are kind of turning to substances. And I think one of the things, especially with like our generation is that we're young. So we think we're kind of, we're invincible. So that's why we might not be prioritizing these things over um, maybe like you're very stressed out. So you're turning to substances, but you have to finish your work. So that's just not something you're prioritizing because also you think maybe it's just like this idea of youth that feels like you're invincible. And obviously it's, it's something that you do need to pay attention to. And it's very hard because also it's coming, I'm coming from a place where I don't struggle with those things. So I don't understand it fully. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a very important point to touch on, especially right now, and especially what you were saying too about frater fraternity life too, how you have seen a lot of these things happening around you. Yes, yes, absolutely, Ragini. You, um, um, another, um, another great thing for us to just kind of explore here because, you know, with us all, cooped up in our, our homes and um, with a lot of boredom and open time on our hands, I think uh, it's now easier than ever to fall back into habits in old ways that yeah. drag us down a bit. Um, I know I've been finding myself there a number of times throughout this period and also um, having been dealing with, uh, some of these health issues I've been dealing with can really like felt I could more deeply relate with people who are, um, have kind of added layers of, of struggle in this time and how, um, really want to fix these negative feelings with something outside, um, of myself whether that's, you know, over caffeinating or um, the, you know, if it's binging shows or, or whatever it is, um, we've got so much time on our hands and mm -hmm. so much less stimulation that it's a challenge not to turn towards that stuff and to have it in our homes not far away from, you know, if it's food, if it's food that you yeah. struggle with, which I know a lot, a lot of people do in my family, um, uh, that's um, a issue that hits home. And it's really tough now because it's just right there in the kitchen or if it's smoking, it's just right there on your table or whatever it is. It's so easy to access. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's also just, I think it takes a lot of willpower to put a barrier between those 
things in, that are in your homes. Obviously, it's I think there's just seeing something and just it's also a lot of like impulse control too and it's it's hard it's hard and I mean I can relate to the food thing too it's especially during this pandemic when we're maybe not as active as we should be it's it's hard to just because you're looking for that stimulation whether it be through your taste buds or whether, whether it be through your eyes or just like any sort of sensory stimulation so yeah it's it's hard and it's something that we do need to acknowledge is happening right now and um, yeah, I think what we can do too is provide some resources at the end that are related to that too, which would be great. I, I love that. And the one thing I want to tack on here, and I, this is, um, I mean, this is something that I see has, uh, uh, works, uh, from personal experience, but also is really, advocated by a lot of people who do a lot of research into habits and, and things like that, that changing your environment, you know, if it's something you struggle with, like the smoking or the food or, or whatever it is, um, a hard but necessary first step is often removing or replacing the, the triggers in your environment. Um, because, you know, if you have, um, if you have the ice cream in the freezer, it's going to be there to, to tempt you, you know, like, and, and it's going to be it exists for you to eat. So like, <laughs> going to tempt you. <laughs> yeah. And, and I want to say this, to, like, and this is where it's important, you know, I want to break, like, I think true mindfulness is trying to, to break down the, the ego around it. And I want to say that, like, for me, something I, you know, when I find myself really bored um, or needing to confront negative emotions, usually I want to reach for like a nice big cup of coffee or something like that. Cause I don't drink caffeine that much. And so when I do, it's like, it's a lot of fun and, and I'm feeling great and I'm super focused and all that stuff. But for me, it doesn't serve me super well in the long term because it makes me more anxious and it messes with my sleep and stuff like that. But this is what I want to say is that like, yes, like mindfulness is about learning to be less reactive to your emotions and giving an impulse and stuff like that. But when we have like Keurig coffee pods like in the kitchen and they're there in the morning and I have feelings of like, oh, I'm a little, I'm not so sure how today's going to go, but it's right there. Like, I, there's not a lot of thinking that goes on between me re remembering that I have access to that and yeah. me popping in the pod, like brewing it up and take it just becomes routine too. That's the thing as well. It's just like, it does, you don't even think about the consequences because it can become routine, you know? So yeah, it's that connection between, I mean, with the mindfulness, it probably helps you be more aware of your actions and more aware of how you're feeling, but it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> it makes me more aware of how mindfulness is not about shaping a perfect human being because I'm like, oh man, I should be, I should be being mindful right now, but I really, I'm just going to have this coffee. Yeah. And there's not, it's just like, it's like a magnetic force. And so I think for people like getting away from the willpower and the, the in, like too much focus on willpower and, and impulse control, like we are humans, we are impulsive beings. Mm -hmm. And if you have every temptation known to man laying out on your coffee table, every time you start the day, 
you're fighting a real uphill battle. And so focusing on that area in this time, um, you know, do some, do some looking online in, in terms of what the experts are saying, but um, this is, it's what they many emphasize is like, it's really human to be tempted and, and to reach for this stuff and, and, all, and to fall back on our crutches, especially now. Um, so try and help yourself out on that front and, and yeah. Yeah. Wow. We went on a tangent a little bit. Um, a good one. An important one. That's one. a big oh, one. Yeah. That's what I love too about these podcasts is I obviously write questions for you, but I love it when people just take over and take it into a different direction because it's just <laughs> more natural conversation anyway. So I love it. It's great. But I do want to get back to your club because you are president. How did that happen? <laughs> um, keeping us on track. No, that uh, having a great time. Yeah. Um, this club, I mean, was so just upstart and um, was not, has not been super big. Um, mm -hmm. We've got uh, quite a few people on our, our mailing list, but in terms of active contributing members is a smaller club. So um, I was just abroad last semester um, and so not active, but I think my engagement with the club up until that point, I mean, our two our, our president and, and vice president were both uh, graduating seniors and um, COVID in fall of last year um, definitely disrupted things with, with our club and, and the natural growth of it such that like we lost a lot of our active members yeah. um, and it was kind of just like handed to me like Hey, you know, this is your club to do what you want with it. And, uh, um, and I was kind of like, Oh, awesome. But I gotta go, uh, I gotta go find some people to, to, to make it an actual club. And so that's what we, we focused on in the fall virtual was just putting together an executive team, recruiting for an executive team and, uh, and going from there. And then obviously this semester, our big change has been, um, changing the name and, and, um, um, continuing to, to try and grow, but, um, that it's so like, it's so funny to talk about because, um, it's a perfect example of how, like, we're all just making this stuff up as we go. And a club is no, like, um, it's no business I'm launching or anything like that, but it does feel like, like it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. And it, and it's, it's entrepreneurial and that like, you know, you just like, at a very micro level, just wear a bunch of hats, like, oh, you got to promote it, like put together materials, talk mm -hmm. with people, like coordinate, connect with people, all that. And it's just, it's a blast. And um, I definitely encourage anyone like to just get involved um, in any kind of leadership or active contributing position you, you can, because um, more often than not, you can do whatever you want with, um, with a club if you, if you just have a little bit of a initiative or it's something that connects with you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like um, you with the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, So then like, so for people listening and who might be interested in your club, what mm -hmm. are the things that you do for your members? What do you guys do? What do you, what resources do you provide? Because I have seen obviously through your newsletter, you have a lot of resources you give your members. So if you could go into that a little bit. 
Yeah. Uh, I think of one of our primary responsibilities as just being a great compiler of valuable content in a variety of different mediums, whether that be videos, articles, uh, blog posts, whatever it is, of ideas that can just kind of stimulate questions um, and curiosity in our members um, to undertake new personal practices or, or habits or uh, whatever it is to take charge of your own health and happiness a bit more, um, understanding that we're students and we're really overloaded and, and um, um, there's a lot of stuff out there. So like, uh, we just try and simplify it a little bit and um, get you good stuff through our newsletter, but also put on events like teaching mindfulness or hopefully this semester um, teaching self-compassion, which is obviously connected uh, through workshops, but also um, to put on some other events, just hosting um, psychologists or um, people who work with executives who, or who are business executives to just share like the things that they help people on and, and um, train people to, to work on. But also we just want to uh, create a space to talk about these issues like you're doing here with the podcasts and, um, or I say issues, but um, we want to talk about um, the, the challenges of being human and then connect you with um, some things we think might help that just go in tandem with whatever it is that you're pursuing professionally or personally, um, you know, to support you in your job search, to support you just survive in COVID or, or whatever it is. So yeah. we just put a lot of practices and a lot of content out there. Yeah, that's awesome. I think we definitely need that, um, especially a place where it's not all like a place that kind of brings it all together. I think with mental health, it's there's so many different things that you can do for yourself, obviously. And just doing that research on your own, on your own can be a little bit of, like if you're looking for something to help you, it can be stressful in itself. So it's great that you guys are able to kind of curate this, like all these different resources and articles and things like that for students, which is amazing. Um, my, I have like one, actually two questions left um, before we go into resources. Um, so one of the things I usually ask people when um, they're on this podcast is if you met someone who is skeptical about your club, how would you convince them to join your club? Oh, I love, I love that question. Um, I would say like, hey, this club might not be the club that gets you your next job opportunity, like some of the other clubs that are really great at connecting with you with professionals and all that. But I would say, hey, what this club is all about is about talking about the things that lay the foundation for everything else that you're going to take on in your life. And that's your mind, your body, uh, your heart and soul, whatever you want to call it. And just starting the conversation about these things like thoughts and emotions and meaning and purpose and all that. And that, Hey, you might want to come check us out because you might find that the things we talk about and the ideas we've put out there are pretty refreshing 
coming from a hyper competitive perfectionist, um, you know, success focused culture. And that this is not going to take away from your drive and your ability to succeed. In fact, if anything, it can support you tremendously. Like take the ideas you like, leave the ones you don't hop on our newsletter, just see what strikes your fancy. And um, it's a low, low pressure, low commitment club. And we're always just getting creative about how we can uh, talk about these things and practice these, these um, healthy habits and, and stuff um, in um, practical ways that, that fit your lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. There's no harm in trying it. So that's like, that's great. Well, good job on your little pitch. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That was great. I love yeah. that. Just got to improvise a bit. Yeah. That was cool. But, mm-hmm. and then I guess since you are graduating, where do you want to see this club go when you leave? Yeah. Um, I want this club to become more and more uh, of course, valuable. This wasn't what I was going to lead with. Obviously, I want it to be, to be valuable and, and practical and all that. But I just want it to be a fun, warm, ultra focused on building a community around these things that are not as often talked about. And I want it to be continue to be done in creative, joyful ways such that we stop making self-care such a chore um uh, as it can be in this in this culture so um i just wanted to see it um keep on surviving as we have been during covid like a lot of other clubs Mm -hmm. and um just just to to grow and hopefully touch a few more uh students lives which even just if one student gets one positive idea out of it um, or makes some change that helps them. That's, that's great for, for all of us. I know my team as well. Awesome. Well, now we can go a little bit into the resources. You did mention a lot of them. And um, I know you had also mentioned some articles that you were reading um, that you had read as well. Uh, do you have any that you'd like to pitch? Yeah. Um, I think finding, like, using a lot of USC's compiled resources on, like, basic health um, and wellness tips, like, I think a lot of people will just gloss over those because it's USC putting it together or whatever it is. So Campus Wellness and Education, maybe, website um, has put together really good practical tips that every student needs to hear more often, like get more sleep, um, uh, maybe don't drink 20 cups of coffee each day, uh, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And I saw that they put together an awesome chat bot for students who are struggling. um, And uh, it's called Ask Ari, uh, A-R-I. And they're, I mean, it's got some AI built up around it, but it's also just a collection of practical tips and resources for habits, for goal setting, for sleep, for these things that are super, super important. So I'd say start there. And then um, I'd say just read 
read books that, uh, that uh, interest you. Uh, reading's a great habit that exposes you to uh, new ideas and, and ways of, of thinking. I have this book too that I've actually, I'm, gonna, I'm going to start reading it, but my dad read it and it's apparently it's great. And it just, oh, is that Matthew Walker, Why We Sleep? Or wait, what is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. So that's, I'm going to start reading this too, because I've also just, which I've also, I was reading an article about this too, is that during the pandemic, the amount of people that are experiencing insomnia, it's, it's gone up significantly. It's just, because it's also like, we're not, we're not, we're not doing enough activity to exhaust our bodies enough to get that sleep and that in like that very deep cycle sleep as well. So that's why a lot of people are just staying up and are having insomnia. Obviously there are other reasons too related to anxiety, stress, and just constant worrying during this, but yeah, he said this was great and it helped him a lot. So he gave it to me and I'm definitely going to start reading it. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, no. Um, I think getting recommendations, I, you know, I've read some awesome books. I don't have it like, not immediately coming to mind, but I know that my dad read that one as well. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, I'll, let me, if I'm, if I'm going to close out with one thing, like I sleep is obviously one of the biggest pain points for so many people for so many reasons. And I think getting the support, whether that's real like counseling support or whatever it is um, to develop that and, and to get better sleep, whatever it takes is one of those things that like, or is the thing I believe, you know, I love talking about all these things like mindfulness and gratitude and all that stuff, but nothing is more important than getting that rest your body needs. And that's why everyone leads in with it. It's the most cliche thing you could possibly say, but like you cannot preach it enough um it's also one of those things you take for granted till you lose it which is like for me that's like one is one of the big things I remember like I vividly remember too just like when I was in high school just being like okay like I'm gonna go to bed and just passing out and now it's like takes me so long to like fall asleep and it was such a luxury then so it's like it's something that we do take for granted but it's very very important yeah little baby steps to get to get better sleep and yeah. and I think you'll find a lot of things fall in place after that. I've had to learn that lesson a number of times. Well, Absolutely. I wanted to just thank you so much for being here. This conversation was so great. I had such a good time. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to thank you. And I hope that you have a good rest of your day as well. Yeah, Rogany, I want to say thank you. I want to say this is a great chance to, um, let me combine it, a few things, try and like just, be mindful, as I say from the bottom of my heart, that I am so grateful for you to make the space for this conversation, to take a genuine interest in what my club is um, working on and to have questions prepared and to host this podcast. It's really great. And, you know, we're all just doing what we can to create little ripples in our community to to hopefully uh, touch a few uh, students' lives. And uh, I love what you're doing. I really respect it. And um, this has been a super energizing conversation. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Um, so I really hope that you enjoyed the talk that we had with Harley. It was 
such a thrill to just kind of have someone who's super passionate about mental health and kind of have these in-depth conversations. So I hope that you enjoyed it. He did provide some resources at the end that you should check out and we will have on our website. But then on top of that, I did mention that we will be putting resources for related to substance abuse on a web, our website as well. So look for that. And I hope you all have a nice week and a great weekend. Um, fight on. Oh,